This is the Shopify Dropify, hosted by The Cut. 100%. I mean, all the tools are there, and if you don't understand that data, make the time to understand it, because, yeah, that's going to pay dividends in the long run of anything you do. Across the board, for the majority of our e-commerce clients, we saw impressions grow. So the size of market and people searching really, really went through the roof on quite a few key industries. A good organic experience sets a good foundation for the rest of your other channels. So for instance, like, you know, a key part of organic would be good site speed, good technical foundation. Welcome to episode 74 of the Shopify Dropify, the Shopify dedicated podcast by Ben and Scott and your Perth Shopify specialists at The Cut. The focus at The Cut is to help e-com businesses understand their options, solve business challenges, build customer engagement and grow sales conversions. This episode features Lee Gibney from search specialist agency Bonfire. As Perth's leading search agency, Lee and his team are the best people to share cutting-edge insights on digital, SEO, the latest from Google, and using it all to drive customers to websites. Hi there, everyone. Welcome back to the Shopify Dropify. I'm Ben DeJong. I'm a director at The Cut. We happen to specialise in Shopify e-commerce. Uh, and I'd like to welcome Lee Jinby from Bonfire. Hello, Lee. Thanks for joining us, mate. It's uh, great to be doing an interview in person again for once. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's great to be here. Very cool. So obviously, um, because of uh, the unmentionable, we've been doing a lot of our podcasts uh, over the phone. But today we're sat in Bonfire's office on Rockaby Road in Subiaco in Perth. Um, and I'll, the first thing I'll say, mate, and, and there's a billboard uh, in Subiaco right at the moment, but congratulations to you guys on the AMI Marketing Agency of the Year win. Um, a big national win for you guys in uh, to finish off the year. Yeah, it's been fantastic. I mean, for the wider team, I'd like to think that we work pretty hard and we're always kind of driven on getting client results, but it was awesome to be kind of validated by industry and see that our hard work is kind of respected by our peers. So, yeah, it's fantastic. Completely and, and really good for uh, all of us in WA to have a local agency take a big national award. It's fantastic. So, Lee, we're not here to talk about awards. Um, <laughs> it's very, very good to know you guys are doing awesome, but can you introduce yourself and describe your, your role and mission at Bonfire? Yeah, um, so... I guess a little bit about myself, I'm a self-confessed geek, Um, I've got a bit of a marketing background and that's where my kind of education was, but I guess growing up as well I'm a big product of the internet, so you roll that all together and I guess my role as a senior digital strategist at Bonfire, um, working mainly around organic search marketing for our clients, um, working on some of the more challenging uh, and larger clients that we work with um, and delivering results, so I guess my guiding light with them is making sure that we're providing returning on return on investment um, and getting results that are really measurable and in the direction that business wants to grow. Fantastic. I will say, mate, your hair is far too good to classify you as self as a geek. It's, uh, it's a magnificent uh, set you've got set on top of your it's head a, there, mate. Uh, it's an illusion. <laughs> it's an illusion, is it? Yeah. And you guys obviously position yourselves as performance digital, right? So the emphasis right from the way you position the business from the very beginning is is all about results and performance. Absolutely. I think that really ties in nicely to my day-to-day. Yep. So, you know, there's a whole world of kind of tasks and work that you could do in our space. Um, but I think what we're really doing is aligning the activity that we do to p- produce results for our clients and our yep. campaigns. Um, we're not just doing busy work and, you know, we're all about transparency and showing that we did this and it led to that. So a big part of my job is kind of developing strategies and working out what we're going to target um, using kind of a big suite of Google tools and third-party tools around learning search volumes, how people are searching, where our clients are ranking and where we want them to be, um, doing a lot of technical things around audits and technical SEO, um, and then going through and implementing them, but yeah. obviously prioritising them to you know get the best bang for our buck on where we're working. Um, and then I guess a key part of it as well is reporting. So we're using things like Google Tag Manager and Data Studio, setting up goal tracking and making sure that the work we complete flows through to actually kicking goals. Fantastic, and I guess that's mutually rewarding, right? If you're uh, achieving results for your clients, your clients are happy and you and your team are happy as well because uh, you know your hard work's paying off. 100%, it's a great way to kind of be validated and if we're not validated, it's going back to the drawing board. Why don't we get the results we wanted and how are we going to get there? So, and yeah. fine-tune and twiddle the dials exactly. and re-approach and rethink. All and, the time, and yeah, all those one percenters. I think that's a really good um, kind of summary of where 
the teams at. And I think that's an awesome thing is, you know, being a big local team in Subiaco, we can always bounce ideas off each other, challenge each other. We don't have a set and forget strategy and it's all, always about that refinement. So. And your offices are very much open plan and a collaborative sort of space with everyone sat close together and in big open spaces, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, always, I guess that was an interesting challenge going through COVID, but at the same time, as soon as we're back in the office and we're bouncing ideas off, it was great. It was definitely something that I missed through the period. So lucky to be in Perth that we can be all in the same office again. And it's a great team of people. We're a big fan, big fans. Yeah. So let's go into one uh, one big learner. Obviously, like most people who tune in are wanting to sort of learn something or hear insights or find out something that they didn't didn't already know. Can you share your number one lead gym be best ever all-time performance <laughs> marketing tip that you would think, um, I don't know, that, that Shopify or e-commerce uh, business owners of a broad range would find benefit in? Yeah. Interesting question. I really like it. It's a challenge. But I think for me, like the cornerstone of all your efforts, you know, it needs to be defined by a target audience. Yep. And in 2020, that really needs to be supported by data. Yep. You know, if you don't have hard data showing who you're targeting and why, um, you're going to be misled. You're going to go down the rabbit hole. And everything you, sh- you do should reflect that audience and, you know, work out on how to optimize towards that audience and don't get distracted by the stuff on the side. You just purely focused on achieving that goal. Awesome. So for you, that you call them audience, and for a business, they would call them potential customers. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and I think that comes back to it is, especially in organic search, it's so segmented out and granular now, and it's getting yeah. more and more granular by the day. Yeah. So, you know, you don't sell TVs. You know, sell, don't sell plasma TVs. Sell exactly the model number that you're selling. You know, you've really got to define who you're going after, how many searches are in the market, and who you're competing against. Being very specific and finding those niches. Absolutely. Like, the data's out there. People want that when they search, and you've got to deliver it. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we see that niching coming through in, in, in people who set up their business. Like, they might have a very, very specific offering, but they find massive success around what, what is can often be a very narrow niche market and, and a very small product set. Absolutely. Um, and you're getting in it from the technology or the metric side of things too, but the ability yep. to be more and more specific. 100%. I mean, all the tools are there. And if you don't understand that data, make the time to understand it because, yeah, that's going to pay dividends in the long run of anything you do. And you guys are obviously helping your clients to understand the data and, and access the, the highlights of those metrics so uh, that they... Yeah don't have to feel like they have to get across everything, but you're helping them understand the key points? Absolutely. I think that's the interesting part. You know, a huge part of the initiation of a campaign is that keyword research and understanding what we're going to target and size of markets. Um, My favourite ones are actually our e-commerce clients that also have in-store presence. Sure. And they'll always talk about, you know, what customers in-store are talking about. Yeah. And then when we align it with, you know, what the online voice is, sometimes there's discrepancies there. And it's really fun exploring that and showing that, hey, you think everyone's talking about this, but actually what we're seeing is they're talking about this and we've got the data to prove it. So So. does that come down to the difference between anecdotal information and hard numbers? 100%. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because really what they hear in store is kind of an opinion combined with a very small sample set, whereas you're dealing with hundreds, hundreds of thousands of of individuals who are channeling into a metric. Absolutely. And uh, I think that's the fantastic thing is, kind of pulling it all together when you have that conversation you identify that audience we're going after and we optimize towards it and then that client comes back and validates that hey in store now people are talking about this it's a real kind of drive, yeah, we did it we so, did this, it, so yeah. that your activity drives behavior in store yeah absolutely wow yeah that's yeah. awesome it's a great validator that's exciting too yeah absolutely it's, you guys are pulling the puppet strings it, it gives you purpose you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny because talking about the you know the, sh- the online store versus or working in collaboration with a physical store way yeah. often use the two when when a client has a physical store and they're getting into e-commerce we'll use analogies around the physical store to help them understand what happens online in a very different way to the way you guys do but they understand the idea of welcoming a customer and having well presented products and knowledgeable staff and sharing information and so we said you know those things that you're doing in store that are so powerful and you understand the benefits of that's what we're trying to get to happen on your website but in a digital online sort of way but the principles or the core principles behind that are often really really similar yeah we speak the same language yeah it's interesting really interesting so you've already uh, alluded to COVID yeah 
Obviously, we've, we've wrapped up the, the, the craziest year any of us have ever seen, hopefully. I mean, I'm assuming it is for you. Um, you're a younger bloke than me, but, uh, you know, I don't think many of us have been through a crazier year than 2020. What was yeah. the uh, sort of the effect immediately on um, bonfire of the pandemic, Lee? Yeah, it was the interesting one. I think at the start with all businesses, there was a bit of turbulence with that uncertainty. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like, you know, what way is up, where's the ground, what's actually going to happen? Yeah, completely. Um, from an international level, a national level, and then a local level. You know, there was three different plays at stake and everyone had that uncertainty that was, it really took away confidence very quickly. Yeah. Um, I think what was awesome is that the team and that dynamic that we actually have here um, continued remotely, which was fantastic. You know, there weren't too many things where our office dynamic changed because we needed to learn how to Zoom or, you know, we're moving to Slack. All those kind of things were already built in. Yeah. And so we had access to all our resources, our files, and, you know, our actual team dynamic just continued as is, which was awesome. Just the daily commutes were removed from the yeah. equation, but yeah. otherwise it was more or less business as usual. <laughs> exactly. And I think a exactly. lot of digital, digital skewed um, businesses, like whether it's you guys or us at the cut, that transitioning part of it was pretty pretty seamless yeah. and not too disruptive. Yeah, I, I don't think you can kind of uh, paint every agency or everyone working digital with the same brush on that. You know, For sure. There was definitely times where, you know, all those mini friction points that you can't put your finger on, once they were removed, it was great to kind of have that dynamic and that that catch-up and that vibe, so that was fantastic. And you guys returned pretty quickly to the office, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, we looked to... Um, kind of bring back that dynamic as fast as we could so we had a rolling office come through and you know a big part of it is working together and our kind of collaboration and our friendships so yeah yeah it, we want to kind of restore that as fast as we could understandably um, very close-knit team with some yeah. uh, great people uh, some of whom we've known for a long long time yeah um and completely understand that what, what were some of the most significant or common effects you saw on on your uh, e-commerce clients or yeah. some of your key e-commerce clients were there trends there that were related to covid there's a couple of things that I guess are interesting here. I think one thing is very grateful for our customer base. Yeah. Um, the clients we work with, they're not just you know engaging with us because they need to tick a digital box. Yeah. You know, or we do digital marketing, or we've got an SEO guy kind of thing. They're really invested in digital working for them. So when new trends came through, or when activity needed to be kind of refined or looked at or taken to the next level, we had a partner that would really work with us. Okay. Um, so that was a big win. Um, and I want to say as well, uh, across the board for the majority of our e-commerce clients, we saw impressions grow. So the size of market and people searching really, really went through the roof on quite a few key industries. Um, and that was exciting, you know. If clients had strong organic positions, it just amplified their efforts, um, which was awesome. And the way consumers shopped, I felt really changed. You know, if you think about a furniture retailer, People are no longer going to the main street of Perth and walking down and kind of checking them all out on a yeah. Saturday. Yeah. They're really doing their research online first and then they're driving to one store and they're going in and out of that store. So It was really interesting what you thought to see how many sectors had a positive effect out of COVID. Absolutely. And I would say that by acknowledging, and we spoke about this earlier, that of course COVID has been disastrous and had a massive negative impact on some sectors. But mm. when our expectations were it was going to be a lot more damage across a much broader range of businesses yeah. was we really quite quickly started to see um, positive effects, whether yeah. it was, I mean, to give you some random examples, um, a company that sells vegetable seedlings to mm -hmm. a company that sells um, children's play equipment to yeah. furniture you've already yeah. mentioned, yeah. activewear and yeah. sports nutrition, and there were so many things, educational supplies, yeah. Yeah. and they, these stories kept popping up and it became, well, there's, there's actually a really positive effect for online business that's coming out of COVID yeah. that's flowing through a lot of different sectors. Absolutely, and I think there were some, obviously, we're speaking generalities, but um, there were some clients that definitely were hit by that kind of period. And, you know, they did have dips in impressions of the market that they were always used to. It was no longer there. Yeah, of course. And I think the cool thing was is that they were willing to be savvy and, you know, they were pivoting, you know, how is the new searches happening? How is the local market occurring? You know, especially in that tourism industry, you know, okay, international tourism search is gone. But then at the same time, we've got people that are coming out of lockdown that have all cancelled their international holidays. They're looking for activities to do locally. Yeah. So how are they searching and how are we optimise for that? That's yeah. the pivot. Yeah, yeah. And the first one there 
is going to work out. That well was for the growth them. market for exactly. tourism. Exactly. You're seeing all of those boom areas, Margaret River or Exmouth in the north, and mm-hmm. and and etc., where they're actually doing very well because of these. Everyone uh, wants to have a holiday, and they uh, can't go up to Bali or to Europe this yeah. year. So, absolutely, yeah. Very interesting, mate. Um, what sort of lasting changes have you guys sort of anticipated seeing that's going to roll with us through 2021? I mean, obviously COVID is going to continue for a while longer, it looks like, but what sort of changes do you think that have been prompted by COVID are going to continue and stay with us? Yeah, I think um, the consumer's faith in e-commerce, you know, I think there's still quite an audience out there, especially an ageing audience out there that um, might have been a bit sceptical of buying online. Yeah. Um, and suddenly that's all been removed. Yeah. Um, that was very interesting for me. And I think there's quite a few people that might be learning about their first trust builders uh, for an e-commerce website or what to look for when you're making a purchase. And this is a big accelerator for them. You know, it's a leap of faith. and Completely. You know, now they've seen that convenience of it and those fears are no longer there. Why would you go Why back? Why would you go back, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. a really exciting time. So retained behaviour from having found something that's actually, for them, surprisingly simple and easy and, and a whole yeah. lot of other benefits besides. Absolutely. And I think as well the other interesting thing for me is it kind of forced smaller merchants to think bigger. Yeah. You know, we, we often saw that slower trickle down of technology where, you know, especially that kind of idea of, oh, we've got an install presence and then the website also works in harmony with it to suddenly our traffic's coming through the website. So how do we kind of imitate those bigger companies, you know, yep. that, that fancier technology and that, uh, I guess, that more streamlined solution. So, you know, it's not crazy technology, but it's things like afterpay, breaking down product prices over four easy repayments. Yeah, 100%. And, and just kind of having that calculator element on that page. Yeah, those delayed yeah. payments has been a game changer in e-commerce, yeah. right? And, and I think, you know, you'd see the big merchants, someone like the Iconic, have that as a really well thought out solution and it's working to their banners. And then you'd see smaller merchants where it was hidden on the bottom of the payments page or the last yeah. page of the card it was there. Yeah. And so then suddenly they were forced to move those elements and think, okay, you know, how am I going to get more people to kind of see that we offer this? How am I going to increase that experience? Really go customer-centric rather than have something that's been set up and deployed and they sit yeah. and hope it's going to work. They yeah. have to focus their attention on, on making it work and, yeah. and delivering for their customers. Exactly. So I, I'd like to think that that lag won't be as long in the future, you know. We'll see that you know, that gap close quite a bit. And, yeah, any future developments, you see things like click and collect or all those kind of things smaller merchants will be looking to imitate the bigger merchants quite quickly. Giving customers options and, and flexibility yeah. around pretty much everything, yeah. but you're, you're talking specifically about payment options. Yeah, and, well, I, and that's the thing is like, there's a bunch of simple things there as well, even just like product images, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> there's a lot of e-commerce stores kicking about where they've got some interesting imagery and, you know, they haven't given it, coming back to that store owner perspective, yeah. they'd never see that, let their product in the showroom not look the best. That's right. But then on uh, e-commerce, this, the manufacturer product uploaded, you know. So which how, is pretty how Which is pretty common. Yeah. Um, good enough probably isn't going to be good enough in, in those sorts of cases because you really want to be presenting your brand and your products in the best possible light because Absolutely. people can't pick it up yeah. and, and touch yeah. it and feel it yeah. and chat to someone. So. Yeah. In that way, it has to be even more polished online. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if it's that first touch, you know, kind of coming back to that example where people are now searching online, identifying it, and maybe visiting a store. Yeah. Their first touch is going to be what's on the website. Completely. So how do you make that perfect? How do you make that as good as in-store? First impressions count for a very great deal, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. So let's chat about uh, SEO for e-commerce. Obviously, Bonfire touches and deals with a whole range of, of digital marketing strategies. It's, is it true to say that the agency's reputation has been built on, on SEO and being search specialists? I, yes and no. I think like organic is definitely one of our strengths and one of our fortes. But, yep. you know, I think more than ever as well, we really want to do support it with other digital marketing activities for of sure. Of course, of course. Yeah. Can you talk about the power and the relevance of search engine optimization for e-commerce businesses? Yeah, I think it's, um, I, I know I'm a bit biased when it comes to it, but That's I would okay, say... Lee, we <laughs> expect a little bit of bias, mate. That's absolutely fine. We love Shopify. That's our bias. You can, you can have your own for sure. I, I want to say that organic's, you know, the main foundation to a really good e-commerce website for generating traffic. Yeah. You know, if you get those, that structure right, um, it's going to pay dividends 
over the long term of getting the right quality traffic at the right kind of buying cycle. It's a foundational investment that stays with the site ongoing. Absolutely, you know, it's all your time. You know, when I say like investment in organic, if it's time or you're paying an agency, it's something that you get long term results with it. You know, yep. it's not like you turn that campaign off and then those efforts evaporate. Yep. Um, you know, it's down for life, you know, and it's going to continue working for you. The other thing is as well, it's, it really has that potential to amplify. So once you get in the right spots on the right keywords and markets grow, yep. you just continue getting that that traffic. You know, it's not like your cost of acquiring that traffic is going to increase. Yep. It'll actually stay the same. Um, so, yeah, once you're winning in organic, it, it's really, really worthwhile. Absolutely. Understood. And I think uh, as well, oh, just on that as well. Yeah, so, go ahead. You know, it kind of... A good organic experience sets a good foundation for the rest of your other channels. So, for instance, like you know, a key part of organic would be uh, good site speed, good technical foundations. Yeah. Uh, you know, pages that load well, um, great kind of categories and subcategories that are relevant to what user searches for, and they're going to aid all your other channels at the end of the day. Like if you're sending you know a different channel to a page that doesn't talk to a subcategory you're not going to get that benefit. So, 100%. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of the foundations of the organic side of things are probably broader than people expect and actually include a bunch of technical and structural elements of the way yeah. the website's built Absolutely. and performs. Absolutely. Um, I mean, site speed's uh, incredibly important, isn't it? And yeah. isn't... Uh, isn't Google now ranking, uh, including site speed in their rankings? Yeah, absolutely. There's actually been a few developments around that area as well where you know, Google's bringing more signals in on understanding what sites are producing a great website experience and yep. rewarding them in the algorithm. So, and and, yeah. and speed, loading speed time is a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It has been in the past and then now it's actually getting ramped up and I think that's the great example where what Google's rewarding from an organic point of view is what consumers want or what good websites should be. Yeah. So if you're aligning to that, I mean, it's going to impact all your channels. It's yeah. setting the benchmark because exactly. they Google pitch themselves as being all about the customer experience and Absolutely. encouraging everyone who has a website to, to push those experiences Absolutely. forward and into yeah. a better place, right? 100%. Yeah, awesome. And what about SDRs compared to other channels? I mean, that might for argument's sake, offer more immediate results like Facebook. Like, what's your view on, on comparing those two channels? I mean, obviously, you've already commented on the, the longevity and the depth and the foundational yeah. nature of SEO, but can you yeah. comment more about that? Yeah, I think, you know, Facebook's an interesting one. And uh, as I was saying before, you know, in, in 2020, you really need to have multiple channels coming through to a site. Definitely. You, you don't want to just rely on organic or EDM or one channel. No, that's all um, your eggs in one basket. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's a lot of benefits in working across those channels. I'd just say with something like Facebook, you'd want to use it um, dynamically. And that's always going to be kind of built into your cost per acquisition. You know, yeah. when you're doing that, that kind of cost of whatever your Facebook ads are, uh, costing you is going to be built into everything as you go. Yeah. As soon as you turn it off, that kind of evaporates. So with Facebook, be savvy about it. Use it on the products where you can't get strong rankings. Use it on the products that are new to market and you don't know if you want to go there yet. Use it for dynamic remarketing. Yeah. Um, you know, use it for a part where your audience base isn't aware and there isn't search volume yet. But you know that once they see this product as a push channel, they'll be interested in it. Yeah. Okay. So be savvy about it. Don't use your Facebook ads just to replicate your organic traffic. Yeah. Um, because then, a great example, I guess, is COVID. Right. You know, as we we're talking about it before, we saw impressions in the market grow, and strong sites with strong organic positions just acquire all that additional traffic with no additional cost. Yeah. But with someone like Facebook, as someone that was heavily reliant on Facebook ads, um, suddenly you don't get any benefits of more people in the market. You know, your costs might come down a little bit, but really all that's going to happen is your daily budget's going to get spent faster. But And haven't the actual costs gone up over the year because of the... Yeah, and that's an interesting thing. I mean, more people in the market, it sh you should not have to be as aggressive with it, and so you could potentially be less fussy with it. But at the same time, you know, when you look at cost per clicks, they naturally trend up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's across all paid ads, and it's kind of like as the market saturates, you've got to pay more for it. Yeah, completely. Um, and I think, like, you know, say that a competitor comes in and starts bidding or starts having a presence and they don't have an optimised campaign, they can actually you know, spend, overspend to a point that it's not, uh, they're not getting a positive ROI, yep. but it's going to impact your campaign. Well, organic, you know, you're quite protected in that where it's at the end of the day, whoever's providing the best experience for that set 
is going to get that reward. So it's a lot more stable over the long term. Yeah, completely. So your, your point, I guess, with Facebook is to use it strategically and tactically to achieve certain purposes. Ab- absolutely. And I think there's a few other great channels like EDM and those kind of things where it's like, use them savvy, you know, be, be smart and have a really strong Facebook strategy and execute it. Yeah. Don't just target a market with your product and serve it up like a billboard. And diversify your, yeah. your channel so you're not exactly. dependent on any one. I yeah. think a lot of people tend to be dependent on Facebook, Instagram, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I think like even organically, we see people just really dependent on their organic traffic. Yeah. And it's what else is out there? You know, yeah. How can you get additional acquisition? Email's a good example because it's a, it's an audience that you can sort of own and control and, and not, not do it... Uh, cheaply necessarily but it's certainly not something where you're dependent on other communities that other entities own yeah yeah absolutely can you give us a real life example and you don't have to name a specific brand but but using a real e-commerce business case from within bonfire where you know the deployment of an seo strategy is kick goals for for that client yeah i mean i'll i'll speak in generalities a bit Um, yeah that's quite it's quite a niche kind of um product yeah tell us what Um, you can lay it's all good (laughs) so around that i guess um this client offers a niche set of products um electronic products and um across a couple of different brands and then also there's a range of accessories that complement the products okay and Around that, we found that people were searching for these products in generalities, so just like the name of the whole subset in the industry. Okay. Um, maybe with a geo modifier on it, so they might be adding Perth or Sydney to that, that kind of product. So in terms of the product, they were being non-specific. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So okay. they, they were just talking about that product category. Yep. But they weren't actually talking about the specific type of product or what they wanted. You know. Okay. Um, so in, to use another sector as an example, they might have been searching for double beds. Yeah. Well, not even that to use, I guess, like, they're just searching washing machines. Oh, right. But they're not, they're not searching top loader. They're not okay, searching front yeah. loader. I and get then it. they're definitely not searching Fisher and Paykel. Sure, you know? sure. So, okay. like, they're just searching washing machines, Perth. Okay, yep. And then, so we've got those kind of people who are new to market, probably their first washing machine experience. Yep. Then, as we kind of worked through, then there were other people that were more on that front loader style search they knew they wanted that they wanted a top loader or or what kind of leader capacity of the washing machine but they weren't okay. really diving into and just to be uh, clear this is not a washing this machine this is definitely client, not a washing machine <laughs> client <laughs> we've just but I love the analogy. This, analogy. Works. this is really it's good it's working it's working but it is strongly related to a, a something that has worked you know sure and then i guess on that as well as then there was branded search and there was people were either talk, searching for that whole you know Samsung washing machine. Yeah. And then there are other people who were searching specific model numbers all the way down to the exact product they want. So okay. we kind of identified that they're in different parts of the buying cycle yep. and there were different volumes. Um, but what we also identified is that some of those volumes, you know, you might have a lot less search volume for this combination of a brand and the actual product, yep. but they're the most likely to buy. And also it's a, least, a less competitive environment. Because they're more informed and closer to the purchase Absolutely. decision. Yeah, you know, okay, they might be right sense. at the end. Yep. And they're not, they're not at that start and working out if this product is right for them or this product category is right for them. Yep. So because of that, what we were able to do is kind of work out the pages required and map them out of what kind of different audience wants. You yep. know, are we landing them on that specific product page with all the details there? Are yep. we landing them on the category page? that talk to their specific category, i.e. the brand, you know, and that brand product combination? Yeah. Or are we landing them on the generality page where it's just like, you know, this is what these products are, these are the kind of three that you're after or four you're after, and this is the difference between the top loader and the front loader. So in terms of the way an e-commerce website might be structured, you might have been hitting them, landing them on the home page, or you yep. might have been landing them on a collection page exactly. where it might be a brand or a category yep. collection, or you might be landing them on a specific product page yep. Yep. where they would be very, very close to, to be able, yep. being able to purchase within yep. another two or three clicks. And exactly that, like I think from an organic point of view, we simply couldn't optimise the whole site. It's okay. too wide, yep. right? Yep. Yep. And you're just going to dilute your web presence if you do that. Okay. So instead what we identified is where's the search volume, what's kind of valuable to the business, yep. and what's actually going to sell the right products that they're after being sold, yeah, okay. and then making sure that we have the right collections page 
creating new collections pages, working out how we're going to structure them in the nav. Yeah. What's in the nav that shouldn't be in the nav because it's just diluting the nav. And then especially on some of those product pages, how are we going to up the way that they're internally linked yeah. so that Google really values these pages and see that they're high quality. Yeah. So it was kind of making sure that we had really strong optimized pages, really closely tied to search volume, and then made sure that they could be indexed and crawled and valued by Google very highly. Yeah. While the other pages that were, you know, still served a purpose and still sold product, but they didn't have search volume, weren't front and center of the website. Yeah, so. that was they weren't surfaced or exactly. made a highlight of. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I think yeah. probably a lot of people don't understand, or when they think about SEO, they don't think that what your insights are doing will drive in the other direction, actually shift the, the structure and the, and the nature of the website and really yeah. closely affect the customer experience yeah. when they land on the site. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of like almost coming back to my top one tip is, you know, that all came back from defining the audience really well. Yeah. You know, we identified users that only wanted to see that brand and that product. Yep. So if they landed on a page that showed all the brands or all the products, they would not have a good experience. It wouldn't be optimized and it'd be harder to rank. Too many choices for them still exactly. at that point, right? Yeah. So it had to be really tailored about where's the volume, what's required to get these pages up. Yeah. And then at the same time, we didn't want to just create collections for collections sake, where yep. you sat on 500 collections of every possible combination that will never see the light yeah. of day. It's interesting so. because when, when I ask that question, you know, the number one best ever tip People yeah. will normally say one of two things. They'll either say understanding your customer yeah. and what they want from your product and what their needs and wants are, yeah. and your answer is sort of a ver an SEO technical exactly. version of that, yeah. right? It's, yeah. it's getting the data around the right audiences yeah. and working out how to feed that back through yeah. to the website first yeah. so that the destination is really well set up, set up for that customer. Exactly. And then obviously you're doing, you're doing the other parts of SEO that are more ongoing and... and pertain to the yeah. content on the page and the structure yeah. and the link building yeah. and all those sorts of things. Yeah, and I guess that's the challenge with organic, right, is you can have all of that in place, but if you don't have the right technical foundations, it'll never see the light of day. Yeah. So you've kind of got to make sure that we have the technical hurdles handled and you know, Google's really understanding the site yeah, and that combination with that targeting and what we want to go There's after. always a lot of moving parts, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, it's a fun dance, that's for sure. Keeps so that wasn't a shopping machine uh, client of yours, no. even though it sounded like no, one, but it was in the electrical machine. sector yeah. and we, yeah. un we all understand <laughs> the analogy is really, really, really good. Um, so in terms of building a strategy on the so on the strongest foundations, when of course we'll stick with SEO for the moment, what do those foundations look like from your point of view? Like what should an e-commerce business have in place to op optimise the success of their search strategies? Yeah, really, really interesting question. And I guess in a nutshell, um, part of it is really understanding that audience, understanding who you're going to want to target yep. and make sure that you have a site structure that reflects who you want to target. Yep. You know, collections, I think, are just created for the sake of collections sometimes when people are building out their sites. Yep. They're not truly evaluating. Not who's this collection going to serve? Yep. You know, how often is it going to get clicked? Yep. You know, and when someone lands here, where will they have come from? Why would they want to come here? And yep. what purpose is it going to serve? And that's really foundational stuff. Exactly. I mean, we don't talk about that from an SEO point of view, yep. but we often talk about it in terms of structuring the navigation, yep. maybe getting rid of a shop all button and surfacing your most popular categories into the primary nav and creating collections yep. that you already know are the most popular products yep. or collections that your clients already like and yep. taking that view to it. And that has a massive effect on... Well, in simple terms, the customer experience and creating a site that feels like it knows the customer when they arrive there, exactly. right? Exactly, yeah. And I think you know, it's not easy to do. You know, no. The hard decisions to make, and they're really easy just to glaze over and just Completely. put it all in there, yeah. and that's where most will fall over. Yeah, you know? have a ten, have a ten, uh, a ten item navigation, and then yeah. wonder why people land on your site and get confused. Well, you're giving them too many choices. One hundred percent. We always say. Give people a small number of choices yeah. and, and step them through and give them a small number of choices on each step yeah. rather than trying to display everything to them because they become overwhelmed quite quickly, right? Absolutely. They lose patience. Yeah, you're going to have that Bunnings experience, you know, the front door of Bunnings and 
Sadly, your name doesn't have the reputation of Bunnings. And, I was going to say, I can't use Bunnings <laughs> as, a, as a failed example of business, but no. yes, I, I Bunnings is daunting. I, I, I love the store. Your, but your but yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how would it work if it was a successful Shopify I mean, store? That would be the big challenge, wouldn't Bun- it? Bunnings, is, Bunnings know they're daunting, right? Because they tell you on their website what aisle products are in. And yeah. I think that's yeah. them trying to get past yeah. the dauntingness of it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah, so I guess that's the key part of it is that kind of, uh, targeting keyword content strategy and that's all really built around collections in my mind from an e-commerce point of view or a Shopify yeah. uh, point of view. And really what um, you're saying is, is it keeps coming back to being customer centric, isn't it? Yeah, Put 100%. your customer first and foremost in every decision you make yeah. wherever possible and yeah. you'll start to make decisions that, that the end result will be a better experience yeah. for your customers which will relate to higher engagement yeah. and conversion. Exactly and I think Simple things, learn how they search, learn what language they use and yeah. use that language on your website. Yeah. You know, if everyone's searching top loader washers, don't say washing machines that the clothes go on the top. Yeah. You know, it's just really simple. And yeah. I, I find that sometimes um, merchants can be really passionate about why their product is different, but also they can miss that you've got to kind of align to what people are searching for yeah, and, them and completely. solve their issue. You or know? they can be more, they can be too close to it or more thinking about it from their own subjective point of view rather than 100%. what it's actually giving the customer. Yeah, 100%. The amount of sites we help people with where you, you go on the first look is, well, within five or six seconds, I don't really know what this business is offering yeah, me. Absolutely. I'm not really sure. And yeah. the, the customer, the, the client or the business owner considers that to be a no-brainer yeah. because yeah. they're so close to their business. They take the view, how could anyone not possibly understand what we offer yeah. because it's their business? Yeah. But, well, yeah, that's not true when you're looking at a complex stranger who's visiting your website for yeah. the very first time. They need a simple explanation. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. All right, I guess- awesome. Changing gears as well, you, yeah. it, it's got to be supported by technical, right? You know, and I guess Shopify is great. It ticks a lot of those boxes around things like sitemaps and you know, yep. it, it, it catches a lot of like, loose ends, things like canonical tags. It does really well. Yep. But you need, do need a clean site. You do need something that, you know, there's not um, junk pages just lying around the place that are getting indexed and crawled. Completely. You need to make sure that Google's really understanding your site, it's registered correctly in Search Console, those kind of things. Yep. Um, and, you know, you're hitting kind of Google's requirements. I won't dive into all the technical geeky SEO things, but definitely want to be making sure from an audit point of view, you have a very well-functioning site. Yep. Um, and then I guess the last part is actually just being an authentic business. You know, Google is really aligning where as we've spoken about before, it wants the best websites and the best experiences to be top of the page. So it doesn't want someone who's being a fake or someone who's covering up or pretending to be bigger than what they are. Yep. So around that, you know, thinking about, you know, organic goes hand in hand with link building. That's the thing that everyone's going to talk about. People believe that you can just buy links and get rankings and that kind of thing. And finally, what's that saying? Yeah. <laughs> and I guess for me, it's like thinking about, okay, cool, what links can you build, you know? As a merchant, are you on a silent auction? Are you supporting a sports club? You know, how are you interacting with your community? Yep. And are you getting links back from them? Yep. You know, how, you know, are you on a podcast? What are you doing? How are you influencing your community? And where are you community? sharing knowledge or content yeah. or helpful information? And, or? And, and it's all about that as well. And I think it's like, you know, being an e-commerce business, you really are in that digital internet community. And you need to be an actual business owner or a merchant that interacts with other businesses and has relationships and collaborations and all those kind of things and making sure you're getting those mentions out there online. It's really interesting. I never would have considered authenticity of a brand to be something that Google would be able to assess or even focus on. I feel like every single... I mean, the heart of algorithm updates that we see is validating authenticity. Yeah, okay. It's how can Google develop a mechanism that takes away the people that aren't being authentic. Yeah, wow. Right? That, I've never heard that. it talked about in that yeah. way before. It's yeah. really, really interesting. Yeah, you know, there's some really interesting things around, um, especially like health and finance industries where they want to know the authors of articles, dates published, qualifications, yeah, those okay. kind of things. There's a reason why they're doing that. You know, yeah. they don't want the wrong yeah. information to get out. Yeah. So that when you search a medical condition, it's not some guy that keyword stuffed and bought some backlinks. Yeah, know? okay. That's fascinating. It makes sense on why they do it. So. It's really good. I mean, we, we would applaud that because authenticity yeah. from the point of view that we look at it, which is more brand and customer yeah. experience and on-site experience, is, is something we talk about all the time. Absolutely. And I just think, like, at the end of the day, a great 
organic experience is when a keyword is searched, 10 really relevant businesses come up with really relevant products yep. that are all related to the search that will do a great job at servicing that person's needs. Which again yeah. comes back to Google yeah. being able to provide great results for the people that are using exactly. their search platform. Well then people right? will stay on Google yeah. and that's their biggest fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. their agenda is, uh, has multiple benefits all the way through. Yeah, absolutely. You know, keeping users on Google is you know, something that's always been discussed quite early on, and yeah. they're just developing mechanisms to keep people on Google. That's awesome. You know? I love that, Lee. I've learned something yeah. today, which is always very, very <laughs> good. Let's jump into the idea of progression. Can you yeah. tell us where you see the most exciting new opportunities in your area of digital marketing for e-commerce? Yeah. Um, you know, saying that I guess we've spoken about a little bit before and yep. uh, let that cut out of the bag is um, this services across Google is a very exciting time right now, um, especially for e-commerce clients. Well, what does it's, that mean, that phrase, surfaces across yeah. Google? Like, <laughs> how does that come about? Yeah, you know, it's a very interesting title. Um, it is. We often hear it referred to as well as organic shopping. Okay. And I, I That's think a little easy to understand. So much easier. Yeah. Come on, Google. Yeah, yeah come on. Let's shopping. get generic. <laughs> let's get generic here. Um, but yeah, just around that, you know, shopping has been available in, I'll call them SERPs, search engine result pages, and um, it's been there as a paid product for quite a while. Yep. And then recently Google, as of I think August this year, they announced it for the US as a bit of a beta, um, where people could show their products in these pages organically. Okay. And then it rolled out in Australia in October. So. When you search, you'll see that shopping tab at the top. Yep. Now it's no longer just all paid ads. The top carousel is paid ads, but underneath it are actually uh, listings that don't require payments. So and they're product organic. listings. Exactly. Okay. So it's great because when... With an image? like with Yeah, the, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Image, stock level, yeah. um, SKU. Basically pulling that from the e-commerce platform and displaying that thumbnail of the specific product exactly. in the Google search it's a, results. Yep. It's a really rich result. Yep. Um, the other thing is when users are actually clicking over to the shopping tab, for me it's like they're not getting what they want on that first tab, sure. they're getting informational content, they're yeah. looking to buy. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. They're searching both headphones, they're getting reviews, I want to buy this. So they're going over the shopping tab, and they're getting listed with all the boats, both headphones. So automatically that means you're splitting your market or Google are helping split the market into the highly qualified and the people who are still investigating yeah. and researching. A hundred percent. And I think the other interesting thing is that these surfaces are coming back to other spots and that's why it's called surfaces across Google, is that there's these kind of platforms or areas of different parts of search engine results pages that will show these listings. Okay. So, you know, you will see them on other pages such as image tabs and, you know, around yeah, the space. Yeah, okay. So surfaces as a word sort yeah. of means the different screens or areas of Google that these results exactly. are going to be pushed to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but okay. I guess if you're at home and you want to see a, a real life example and you're in the US, Australia or a bunch of other select countries, yep. hitting that shopping tab, you'll see it really clearly after that top carousel, it's all just organic listings. So, yeah, okay, that's so yeah, really, a really exciting time. That's really, I mean, yeah. and I think, you know, if we're going to ask the question, how will this help e-commerce businesses? Well, it's pretty obvious, yeah, isn't it? It's, it's gonna free give, clicks. It's free <laughs> clicks, it's organic product. Yeah. Can I ask then, does that, does the performance of an individual product to get pushed into those organic results, is that, yeah. how much of that is down to the content on the product yeah. page? Yeah, absolutely. Or how much of that is down to the overall website yeah. that the product sits on? Yeah, it's um, a really good question and all the kind of variables that play into that aren't fully disclosed or worked out. Okay, similar to, so I even guess, organic, Lee right? Jinby at Bonfire <laughs> does not know the answer to this question yet. I, I do know yet, some Lee. of the parts, so I'll give you okay. some insights. Right? Awesome. So you, I guess the way, let's talk about how this is populated, right? So you, as a merchant, you have all your products on your website. You yep. need to develop a product feed for yep. Google to understand. Of course. And that gets uploaded to what they call Merchant Center. Yep. So Shopify, um, they've kind of got a collaboration out with Google that uses their content API. Yep. And then it basically generates a product list that's similar to a sitemap. But instead of URLs, it's actually saying the product titles, the SKU, okay. the description, the cost, the in stock, all those kind of so fields get lifted, right? So all of that data right? fields that are aligned specifically with an individual product. product. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then, so like image URL, all those kind of things, yep. they'll get pushed to the feed. Then you've kind of got to met, monitor the health of your feed. So you've got to make sure that your products are getting approved. Okay. Um, and there's a, quite a few requirements from Google's end. So, for instance, having the right SKU or the right barcode number in there, 
Um, if you don't have that right, it can impact it. Um, really kind of clear and optimized titles, those okay. kind of things okay. will all impact on why you're showing where. Yeah, okay. And then from there, it'll serve you up in relevant searches. Which just pertains to the quality of information you're presenting to a potential end customer. Yeah. It's and not going to push through into the top results unless it's all tickety-boo and nicely presented. Exactly. And it's like, I guess it's a two-part play. You know, think about that Bose headphones example. Yeah. You know, what is your, your title on your Shopify site? You know, and even if it just read like, I don't know, QC25 or whatever their model number is yeah. um, by Bose, it needs to, and then people are searching Bose headphones, it needs a way to connect that search to the QC25 product page. Yeah, sure. So you need to optimize it to make sure that you're leading with brand, you've got those kind of other product characteristics in there. Yeah. Um, and then it, a lot big thing is like related products, so it's looking at kind of like identifiers and numbers to show out what's related. So yeah, yeah it's okay. an interesting space. I guess for me it's like, having a really clean feed and having a really clean Shopify backend where your product details have as much detail as possible, i.e. Yeah. gender, size, colour, code, all those kind of things. And descriptions. Right? And yeah. Descriptions is a bit interesting on how much it reads from it, but okay. it definitely plays into it. And what, what about like um, different categories to product information, like for, for example, um, ingredients or material used or tips on fitting and sizing or, yeah. you know, fit for purpose or what its best yeah. use cases are, is that yeah. valuable? This is interesting, is that's where, depending on your site setup, um, where that will sit within the feed. Okay. So utilizing that data to get it in the feed in the right spots, um, say append it to the description, yeah. could be valuable. Um, but at the same time, if you don't have the right fields lined up to the right part of your sure. feed, it's just never going to be read or understood. Yeah, okay. So it's not yeah. necessarily helpful in, yeah. in that sense, yeah, in exactly. the surfaces yeah. across Google yeah, sense. exactly. Yeah, so it's, a, it's an interesting space. It's definitely emerging. Um, I think even reporting on it, there's very select screens that show you how many clicks you're getting from it and what these users right. are doing. But I expect all of that to kind of come through a lot over the next six months. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, we've definitely seen like the clients that we have enabled with it that are working and definitely getting some, some good traffic from it. Um, a lot of people are like, I never click the shopping tab. And it's like, you might not, but definitely other people are. Yeah. You know? And that'll be, that's <laughs> going to grow as people, more people become aware that it's yeah. there and yeah. they learn that that feature's there in yeah. Google and you yeah. would only expect that to, to expand exponentially as, yeah. as that happens. Yeah, it's a real like, kind of statement against, I guess, Amazon and trying to compete in that space. And yeah, that's sure. what that tab is really, yeah, yeah, I guess, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's awesome. Is there, any, is there any meaningful action that a merchant could take right now that would help them take advantage? of surfaces across Google yeah. or organic product listings in yeah. Google? Yeah, I think like you could look at um, setting up your Merchant Center account. So if you set yep. up Google Merchant Center, you can sign into that. Yep. Um, if you're in Shopify, you can look at setting up a product feed with Google's app yep. um, and start seeing that feed read through and try and set it up. Yep. And then just even at that baseline data, you start seeing what your standard fields are. And then from there, you start asking questions like, what fields in the Shopify backend can you adjust, populate, edit, and how does that impact results? Yeah. Um, and then within the Merchant Center as well, you can create rules and custom fields to kind of optimize it further. So yeah, okay. it's a rabbit hole out there. There's a lot of stuff There's a lot of things do. to do, but yeah. certainly some initial yeah. um, setups yeah. and staying yeah. clean start, and tidy yeah. and, and optimize the quality of your product exactly. content is a good starting yeah. point. Yeah, and look to generate that feed, so. Yeah. That's awesome, Lee. Thank you. That's super interesting. I've learned yeah. something else today, mate. So <laughs> Two regardless of done. anyone out there in <laughs> podcast land and what they may or may not have learned, I have learned plenty today. Um, so, you know, we're putting 2020 behind us and, and moving into, into 2021. And I mean, a lot of people, everyone wants to be super positive about, about 2021 and what's coming. Do you guys and the team, team at Bonfire in general around e-commerce or, in, or for digital in general, what sort of changes or performance marketing trends do you see coming, coming in 2021? Yeah, I think, you know, we kind of touched on it a little bit throughout the chat, but I yep. think um, niche search is really, really big. Yeah. You know, just seeing the way that volumes change and how people search and what they expect from search is definitely changing a lot. And their expectations are obviously increasing. Sky and they're high. wanting more, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, the people that can... Con conform to that are the ones that will really reap the rewards from that. Okay. So, you know, no longer are we just seeing people search coffee tables. People are now searching white gloss coffee table for corner, you know, and yeah. Yeah. they will want a results page that shows 
white gloss coffee tables for corners. Yeah. You know, and then you need to click through on that and you need to be presented with a product that does exactly that. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny, we saw it locally, like with people searching around geography and suddenly they went from searching by city to suburb and then near me. And we're seeing that now with product as well. You know, That's interesting. That's a good specific. comparison. Yeah. Getting yeah. more specific because they yeah. want to hit a result yeah. more quickly ultimately, yeah. don't they? absolutely. And I think, you know, if you thought five years ago, if you searched to a suburb level, you know, for a, even for a plumber or someone that's quite saturated in that, yeah. the chance of getting a plumber's website that had a Subiaco page, minimal. pretty minimal, right? Yeah. You might get three people that have relevant things and then you, sure. the other seven sure. will be people that mention Subiaco somewhere on their site. Yeah. You know? But now it's people have whole pages, landing pages dedicated to it. And it's the same with product as well, I think, you know. What we're seeing is people are searching very specific because they're actually getting very specific results back. Yeah. And that's where you've kind of got to get in. That's like the closest intent to buy. So, so the, the, the way that merchants or e-com businesses can take advantage of that niching trend is yeah. to make sure that they've got their site structure and product pages, collections, subcategorizations, yeah. really well set up for yeah. whatever their sector is and whatever exactly. their customers want. Yeah. yeah, exactly aligned to what their customers want. Yeah. Huge thing. Um, and then, yeah, I think we've kind of mentioned as well just Google moving towards that authenticity part. Yeah, that's really and that's interesting. And that's just going to continue. Yep. You know, we're seeing Core Web Vitals roll out next year um, in the algorithm, and I think that's a big kind of reveal by Google. So they're saying that if the pages don't load quickly, but not only that, if uh, elements around the page, the layout are shifting on page load, yep. um, if the main content of the of the page is delayed past the actual page load as well yeah um or there's an input delay so it takes too long to be interactive at the start then they're actually going to start working that to the algorithm and and if you are not hitting those scores well you can expect to get you know reduced i, I won't say penalized it's definitely not penalized but reduced performance compared to someone who's hitting those scores well awesome so, yeah they're doing everything they can to kind of great 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 web experiences uh, and I love that whole concept yeah. of Google supporting the idea of authenticity. It wasn't something I was aware of. Yeah. It's super interesting, and, and we definitely support it from our point of view. You're Lee, awesome. thanks very much. It's been absolutely superb having you on the Shopify Dropify. Thanks for having me on, Ben. Um, really cool. We love the guys at Bonfire. Um, have known a bunch of your great people for a long, long time, and you yourself for a few years. So, yeah, thanks very much for joining us, and then all the very best for an awesome 2021. Yeah, you too, for the 10 of the cut. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for listening. If you've got questions, about e-commerce, get in touch with Ben and Scott at The Cut. They specialise in Shopify and are helping businesses to launch new stores, switch to Shopify, solve complex integrations and build customer engagement and conversions. That's what they do on the daily. Please share this episode. And if you want a guest on this podcast yourself, get in touch and they'll make it happen. Thanks for listening. Access e-commerce expertise from The Cut anytime. Visit thecut.net.au and connect on Facebook and LinkedIn.